Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. And I should say happy Valentine's Day as well. It is Tuesday, February the 14th, 2023, and it's 7 a.m. here in Rafine. Mm, not in Spotswood today. Y'all, I'm at my wits end for the internet at my house. Um, it just... I, I, this is, I think, my sixth device. The reality is, is that I think that uh, they've slowed the cell phone towers down in our area because there's so few people, and I just cannot get enough speed. I've tried multiple hotspots, I've tried multiple carriers, and I just cannot get enough speed to upload anymore. Uh, it's not so much the download speed and able to stream something. You got to have a high upload speed, and um, I, I just cannot generate that with cellular internet. So. I'm going to try something different. It should be here in around two or so weeks. Maybe that will work. But in the meantime, Dr. Rob Marsh has been ever so kind to let me use his office once again. There's nobody here yet, and uh, hopefully I'll be done before anybody does get here. But I'm very grateful to him and Rafine Medical Associates for this opportunity. So anyway, thank you all so much for your understanding, for your patience as we try to work this stuff out. You might be wondering, what does this mean for Sunday morning? I don't know. Um, the church is in the same position as this. It's not that, realize in our area here, I actually have high speed internet, right? Because they're running fiber optic through here and it's only, I don't know, two miles from the church, but the church might as well be in the Grand Canyon, the manse as well, because they are not running fiber optic. They've said they would to the church. They said, oh, yeah, it'll be just about six months. And I think that was about a year and a half ago. I don't know, y'all. Um, when cellular Internet is the only thing you've got. Well, y'all have cell phones. You know that sometimes the service is great. Sometimes it's not so great. Well, when you're trying to live stream something for 20 minutes like we do here or for even longer, um, for close to an hour um, on Sunday mornings, as that signal fluctuates, your ability to stream does, the sound goes out, everything just goes haywire. There's a lot of advantages of living in the country. This is a disadvantage. So I appreciate your understanding. Now, let's get to the business at hand. Where are we going to be today? And not only today, but for many, many days to follow. Well, if you have your bookmark set at the end of the Gospel according to John, which is what we finished last week, all you need to do is look to the right. Maybe flip one page, probably not. In fact, I can look at the end of John. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. I can look to the right, and I can see Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Yes, that's where we are today. That's where we will be for some time. The book of Acts. Is it the Acts of the Apostles, as it was penned or named by the early church? Is it the Acts of the Holy Spirit? which would also be an appropriate title for what we're going to study. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's pray and we'll get started. Our Father, please be with us now as we come to your word, especially as we come to a new portion of your word. 
Uh, you know, Father, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but even more so, I'm excited to see your faithfulness, that your son's word is true when he promised to build his church and the gates of hell themselves should not prevail against it. We see this in the book of Acts. And not only that, we see the fruition of all of the promises about your Holy Spirit, all the things that you're doing. So, Please guide us now in this time as we come to your word, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so I've already read verse 1 of the book of Acts, and this may be all we get to today. Um, but Acts begins in chapter 1, verse 1, and if you don't know where Acts is, again, it's right after the gospel according to John. It says, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, stop right there, because we get all sorts of clues and all sorts of hints about everything we're about to study. We get clues about who wrote this book. We get clues even about the purpose of this book just from the first two verses. And some background work is necessary. Y'all remember, there are certain principles that we follow when we study God's Word. Number one question, number one question when you go to God's Word is, what has been revealed? What, what does it actually say? But very close to the number one question is, what is the context, you see? What's the context of where I'm at in God's Word? That includes everything from where does it fall in the placement of God's Word. It includes that question. It also includes the question of who was the original audience that received this, all that kind of stuff. Now, we're not going to get to, to all of this today, and some of it we will leave and it will be revealed as we go along. But we do get a lot of context just from these verses. As far as placement goes, let's talk about that first. Y'all, there's a reason that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all together and all at the beginning of the New Testament. And realize, this doesn't necessarily have to do with date, okay? The reason I say that is it's entirely possible and likely even that Acts was written before John. Now you might say, well, wait a second, then why is John not after Acts? Well, there's a very good reason, and it has to do again with context. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are grouped together because they are the Gospels. They tell the story, the narrative of Jesus Christ, of his work, of what he did. And then after that, we move forward in the timeline. While John was written after Acts, most likely, still, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are together because they're Gospels. Acts is history, y'all. Oh, it's history. And Acts comes before the epistles, which are the letters that are written to the different churches, like Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, if you follow along in the Scriptures. Uh, so you have the Gospels, which is the history of Jesus, and then you have the Acts, now, I already alluded to this earlier, but even the name Acts, which was given to this, um, there's different opinions on what it should be called. In the early church, very early on, the book of Acts was referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. 
And that's a good understanding, right? Because where we pick up, and you're going to see this tomorrow, where we pick up with, is with after Jesus extended, or, or excuse me, um, Oh, ascending, sorry, not extending, ascending back into heaven, right? Um, verse 10, we'll see, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, right? And then they address them and say, hey, basically, get out of here, get to work. He, he's gone, the Holy Spirit's coming, now get out of here, do what he told you to do, right? So that's what the book of Acts is. Um, for the first six chapters or so, we see the apostles. Peter seems to take center stage. When we get to chapter seven, there's a guy named Saul that's going to come around, and then his name's going to become Paul. And then we start talking about missionary journeys and how the church was set up. And it, Acts is all about history. Okay, but y'all don't let that scare you. I found that there are two types of people in this world: people that love history and people that can't stand history. And most of the time. It comes down to what kind of history teacher you have. It is my intent to show you why history is so important here, to show you all the things that are set up. You, know, you have Genesis as the setup for all of the Bible and as the setup for all of the Old Testament. Really acts as that way for the New Testament. All right? So that's what acts is. But, but let's break this down. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why. All right, the who and the what. Now, Acts, as we've said, there are those that call it the Acts of the Apostles. Some call it the Acts of the early church. Some call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And all of those would be correct because all of these are detailed. That's what Acts is. It shows the faithfulness of God's people. It shows the failures of God's people. Um, it shows the triumph of the Holy Spirit. It, it shows so many things. And so many principles are revealed through Acts. So that's the what. But what about the who? All right. Who wrote it? Who is it written to? Well, y'all, the biggest clue that we have is there in chapter one. In my former book, Theophilus, right? So you have the author identifying himself to a certain extent. It's not like one of Paul's epistles, right, where Paul starts out by saying, Paul, um, a follower of Jesus Christ or, or a, a bond servant for Jesus Christ or anything like that. You don't have that. Instead, the author remains silent here. But if you go back to Luke, Luke chapter one, chapter one, verse one, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, the most excellent Theophilus. Now, we know from Luke that Luke is the author of Luke. And if Acts begins in the same exact way, except this time, it's not... It, it's not the works of Jesus, right? Except it's, this time it's the work of the church. And if the book of Acts begins in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The author of Acts has very clearly identified himself as the author of Luke. Not only is it the same author, it's the same audience. And this is a little controversial. There are those that look at Luke and they say, okay, was it really written to some dude? 
right? Or uh, Theophilus, if you break down that Greek name, some say it's written to the beloved of God or those who love God. Theo, where we get the word theist, right? Theo refers to God. Phylus comes from the word phileo, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Phileo is love. So if you break down Theophilus's name, it means lover of God or beloved of God. And so they say, well, Luke is writing this to all Christians everywhere. There's two problems with that. Number one, the book of Luke is written as an evangelistic book, okay, the gospel of Luke. It's written to people who have never heard of Jesus ever. All right, and Luke is explaining everything that happens. So that's the first problem. He can't write it to those beloved by God who don't know the Lord, right? I'm not saying that God doesn't love people, but clearly Luke is not written to people who are Christians because it's written in order to tell people who Jesus is. That's the first problem. But there's a second problem. Again, it's in Luke that we find it. If you look back at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, you see that it's not just written to Theophilus. It is written to the most excellent. Theophilus. Now, that ought to clue us into the fact that Theophilus is an actual person, okay? If it was just Theophilus, maybe, yeah, I could see you stretching it and say that he, this was written to people who feared God. No, 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 no. If he's using the term most excellent, it tells us that Theophilus is an actual person. It tells us that Theophilus is probably a man of means, if you know what I mean. Probably Theophilus is a wealthy Greek patron. Maybe he was one of Luke's patients. We know that Luke is a physician. It's ironic that I'm here at Rafine Medical Associates at Dr. Marsh's place. Uh, but nevertheless, Luke is a physician. Perhaps Theophilus had been one of his patients. Luke is probably the wealthiest of all the New Testament writers. Personally, I believe that Luke also wrote the book of Hebrews. That's uh for reasons that we'll get to if we ever, you know, go in depth into Hebrews. But read the book of Hebrews, there are phrases in Hebrews that only appear in the, the Acts, right? But that's that's a different subject. Um, so that's who wrote it. Luke wrote it. Who is Luke, though? I've already revealed his trade, right? He was a physician. Also, he makes note of eyewitness accounts. But Luke really remains in the shadows in the first part. It will be later on in Acts when Paul starts starts taking his missionary journeys, when Paul and the gospel starts spreading, the Holy Spirit's working, that you see these little phrases thrown in. And it's simply the term we, you know, we then went to, or when we landed, uh, you know, on the shore, we saw. Luke is a contemporary of Paul. He is one who is writing from an eyewitness account of the things that he saw, because though a physician by trade, he was very clearly a disciple of Christ, right? And he was a contemporary, a traveler, a co-laborer with the apostles, okay? So that's the who. Um, so Luke wrote it, Theophilus received it, but also not to just speed past that. It's important to note that Luke is written for all who would believe. Acts is written for all who would believe. Acts establishes the history of the church. That means that Acts is for you and me. 
It also means that should the Lord tarry and he calls us home to him before Jesus returns, it means that Acts is written for every Christian everywhere across every time. Because Acts, though it is a history, and we got to keep this in mind right here, day one of Acts, though it is a history, it is also regulative. What does that mean? It means that principles are revealed in Acts that we have to follow. God's will is revealed in how the church is set up, for instance, right? There is teaching that is offered on how we process different things, like how the gospel works. Though Luke wrote it, this is the word of God. So it's not just where we document something that happened in the past. If you want to know how the church should run today, look at Acts. If you want to know how the Holy Spirit works, look at Acts. All right. Now, we're kind of broaching into the, the why, but let, let's leave it at that for the moment. Um, again, one more thing as to what it is. It's not only a history. It's a book of apologetics. Um, it's a book where the Christian faith is explained and defended and also how God works. Now, let's talk about the when and the where. As I've just said, the when and the where, as far as who it's written for, is every Christian across all time, right? But to be specific for the when it was written, there's different opinions, y'all. I mean, if you go to the liberal scholars, and remember, when I'm using that term, I don't mean that in terms of liberal politics. I mean that in terms of view of Scripture. But the liberal scholars, like every single book of the Bible, would have you believe that this wasn't written until hundreds of years after Jesus um, well, they don't believe Jesus ascended back into heaven. But nevertheless, hundreds of years after Jesus, that Luke didn't really write it, all these different things, right? Don't believe that garbage. Too many eyewitness accounts, right? It's got to be Luke that wrote it. That places this probably in the early, mid-60s. And I don't mean like, you know, Woodstock. I mean as in A.D., right? first century, probably written in the 60s. You could push it to the 70s. I don't think it is because there's nothing about the temple falling in 72 AD. But nevertheless, it's got to be, it's got to be before 72 AD because that's when the temple fell. There's too much going on in here that involves the temple, that sort of thing. So that's the when. Where is it written? Y'all, Again, it's written for all Christians everywhere. Such was the case in the early church. However, a lot of the focus is what takes place in the church in Jerusalem. And it's not that the church of Jerusalem was more important than Corinth or Rome or anywhere else. It's just that that was the center of Christianity at that time. Very early on, it was the church in Jerusalem. And it makes sense. Chapter 2, that's where Pentecost happens. That's where thousands upon thousands were added to their numbers. That's where Paul was sent out from. So that's the when and the where. Now, the why. Why? Well, we've just read. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. Um, he's going to reveal that the why is to prove the power of the gospel. Right? Because the gospel works, y'all. It transforms. It saves it's to show the power of the gospel. It's to show that God keeps his word, that indeed he would build the early church. And also it's to show the workings. You know, I keep talking about the early church and how this is regulative and we ought to follow it. But realize the early church is not perfect. 
There are times of grand triumph where wonderful, amazing things happen. There are also times of great difficulty, times of scandal, times of disagreement and conflict. And so it shows us how we ought to process these things. Acts shows us what really ought to be important to us. And Acts shows us, y'all, how the Holy Spirit works. That's another reason. You might say, well, why is he doing the book of Acts now? You just did, John. I'm doing Acts because on Sunday mornings, we've been going through the names of God. Started out with the Father, then the Son, now the Holy Spirit. It's in the book of Acts that we see all of these attributes of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that we see so much of who God is come to fruition. We see how God works, but we also see how his calling works. That God is in the business of using those that are very unlikely to be used. That God transforms and he changes people. And he uses people that might not necessarily be the most gifted, the most skilled, the most proper, the most fill in the blank. He uses them because God shows us that the best ability for us to have is availability. Right? It's the willing that God is looking for. And he's the one that does the work anyway. But it's remarkable how the Lord works. The Acts shows us the importance of the church as well. That Jesus didn't ascend back into heaven and say, all right, you guys are on your own and y'all figure it out. And then you got Peter over here doing his thing. And then there's John and it's got his people over there. Uh -uh. Acts shows us the importance of the church. There's a reason why all the time I tell you, you got to be a regular part of a Bible believing church. This is not just good for you. This is required in God's word because you are linked to other followers of Christ. I saw this recently. I don't know who said it, but I love it. And they said, you can be committed to the church, but not committed to Christ. And boy, that's true. There's going to be so many Presbyterians and Baptists and Methodists and so on in hell that their legs are going to be sticking out. Because you can be in church all your life and not know Jesus. You can commit to the church and not be committed to Christ. But you can't commit to Christ and not be committed to the church. Y'all, Jesus died for the church. The hope for the entire future is that Jesus is building his church. Church isn't perfect. You may have been hurt by people, and that may have led you to be upset. I, I don't know. I may have upset you, and you may not go to church anymore because of me. I hope that's not the case, but I don't know. Um, you know, if your attendance at church is based on what people do, then you're going for the wrong reasons. We go to church because God has called us to be a part of his people, to strive together with his people to do his work. And y'all, there is no substitute for the corporate praise of God. God calls his people to gather together and praise him corporately in person at the same time. Acts bears these things out. So that's the who, the what, the when, the where, the why. And the how? Well, the how is the easiest. God breathed out his word through Luke. This was written by Luke, but it's God's word to you and me. I'm excited about going through this together with you. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time, and I look forward, you know I do, with anticipation to how this study will unfold. Please guide us by your Holy Spirit. Let your word be of the utmost importance to us. And please, 
work in our hearts. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see Christine and Elizabeth. Good morning. And yes, sir, Wayne, it's good to be back. And then there's Rose and Alice and the other Becky and the other Becky. Thank you all so much for being here. Lord willing, tomorrow morning at 7. Until then, have a great Tuesday and a happy Valentine's Day.